Hello everyone and welcome to a special Friday Night Metal Black podcast. Uh, we'll be covering a game that many of us played ages ago uh, with just three of us here uh, on this special session. Myself, Golem, and Adrian. This is going to be a little different than our normal podcast with only three people here. Uh, I think it'll probably resemble more a discussion group. I'm not going to be as uh, assertive and authoritative as a host as I usually am. Instead, uh, we're just going to be going through an outline and probably each contributing some to it. Let's get started. Adrian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just finished up my midterms. You all know that uh, that um, I had a 40% grade curve, so whatever worry I had for my Calc 2 test is good now because nobody did good. Yeah, that's the, uh, I guess, the balm and the origin of the 40% grade curve. Is it sufficient to say that uh, Calc 2 is what you've been playing recently? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That and Super Mario Land 2, since we've already got it, gone ahead and started the October game. Okay, well, we probably don't want to get too much into Super Mario Land 2 here. Uh, since we'll be talking about that again shortly. Golem, how about you? You, I know you spent, what was it, over 150 hours on Metal Black? <laughs> uh, let's say over 27. <laughs> okay. What else have you had time to squeeze in there? I started Skyward Sword again. Oh, cool. Yeah, you were complaining about something like uh, chatty, chatty Cathy's or something? Yeah. I've always felt like people who complain about fee are pretty. I've never liked that kind of person, but they're not now seeing I, the forest for the trees, as it were. Yes, <laughs> but I will admit it, she is a bit of a nitpick. Like, I just let me play the freaking game, and you know, I it's not an original complaint to say that the beginning of a Zelda game is too talky. But aside from that, I still really like the gameplay, and uh, the first boss is still uh, weirdly hard. I uh, can't remember the first boss off the top of my head. That's Girahim? That's right. I feel like this is the second... Yeah, okay, I I do remember playing that um, in GameStop once, so... Fairly challenging first boss. Girahim's a classic. He's what makes Skyward Sword so good. Yeah. I think uh, the main thing that tripped me up was um, one of his attacks is that you have to fake him out so that he thinks your sword will strike from one place and then you strike from another. And, like, that requires a pretty nuanced use of the controller so that, like, you have to quickly switch where your sword is coming from, but you have to do that without, like... Without swinging the sword? Slow enough so that you don't activate Link doing a sword strike. It's right. weird. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. The The demos for the game, they let you play, like, three parts, and one of them was just, like, let you immediately into the boss fight, and that's how I know about that fight, and I know what you're talking about. That's a good fight. Yeah. So what kind of, uh, what kind of mission controls would you like to see applied to Metal Black in the future? motion controls um <laughs> ideally it would be like uh in sonic in the secret rings you hold the controller flat 
so like the buttons are facing up, right. and then you tilt it left and right to tilt Sonic in a certain direction, and I think that would work pretty well for Metal Black. Well, aren't you describing a basic variation on how Bitrip Beat works? Yeah, oh wait, well I guess that is, uh, <laughs> there you go. I was about to say. That means it's a good idea. And it's uh, still waiting to happen since Nintendo does not know that Metal Black or the Wii Remit exists. Hey, uh, wait, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, did you hear for Back to the Future Day, they ported Wild Gunman to Virtual Console using the Wii Remote. Wild Gunman? What the hell is that? What the hell? It's the game that was in Back to the Future, but also it's just one of those NES gallery shooters that use the zapper. Oh. Great, I'm so excited. <laughs> but they know the Wii Remote exists. Well, at yeah. least they found a way to make the Zapper compatible with modern consoles. So, speaking of Nintendo, recently I played Super Metroid and finished it for the first time. And to follow that up, I played Symphony of the Night, and I haven't quite finished it for the first time, but I'm almost there. And... I just thought I would point out that Super Metroid is a way better game, and I still like Symphony <laughs> of the Night better. So why why do you like Symphony of the Night, but you're willing to say that Super Metroid is better? Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night are both games that probably shouldn't be judged too harshly on a first playthrough. But Super Metroid is, first and foremost, a platformer, and it really builds its exploration around uh, the different platforming skills that Samus gets, such that a player who knows the platforming well will therefore benefit in the exploration. Symphony of the Night doesn't meld its elements as elegantly, and it's not that surprising to hear Igarashi say that he was inspired by Zelda, not Metroid, in making it, because... That's interesting. I mean, combat there is a bigger focus than platforming, and the combat almost never plays a role in exploration, except to the extent that the only way to recover health in Symphony of the Night is with save points. So there is a bit of health management, survival-style gameplay that does benefit the combat. But I think that that is not as well built on like, that's a good foundation for the game, and that's why it works really well in the less RPG Castlevanias, such as Circle of the Moon. But your building skill set doesn't really change the way that combat plays into exploration, in the same way that getting Space Jump significantly alters the architecture of Super Metroid. So, in Super Metroid, your skill set revolves around platforming, so you get strong exploration, but the combat is trivial. And in Symphony of the Night, you get lots of cool combat stuff, but the exploration suffers. Well, I don't think it's that the exploration suffers because of the combat or because of the focus on combat. I think it's that as the, uh, I don't want to call them RPG elements, but as the character building elements come into play, the combat doesn't evolve. The most that it does is that in Symphony of the Night you get better weapons and that makes it maybe easier to survive a little longer and explore a little longer, but it doesn't ever change the way that you're going to explore because 
ultimately you're fighting the same enemies in the same rooms at the same distance from save points. So is that something addressed in later Castlevanias when you get different weapon types? Is that where you're going? Well, no. Like I said, I think it works better when they just ignore that element altogether and give you a straightforward combat platforming game that's uh, maybe a bit flatter in gameplay throughout, like Circle of the Moon, but that therefore doesn't have extraneous elements that uh, sort of, you know, give you stuff that comes into play one or two times and then is just dross sitting on top of what is an otherwise effective game. Yeah, okay. It's like how in Zelda is better when it has good items. And when the items are weird garbage that are throwaway. Like dog power? Wait, there are two games with garbage dog powers. Symphony of the Night and Twilight Princess. There you have it. (laughs) Don't you use the wolf for a lot of things, though? Pretty sure you do. I know, it's... Oh, it... That was below the belt, I will admit. Oh, I thought you were just going to say, I just want to... Shit on Nintendo. Oh, that too. I mean, any time I, I can. Yeah. Why didn't you just go for the Dominion Rod? Yeah, the Dominion Rod's a great example of something that's like... Like, way underutilized. Dominion Rod is as significant to Zelda as... I just can't think of anything in Symphony of the Night that matters. Like, Double <laughs> Jump is the... Double Jump is really the only power that has a purpose. Yeah. Uh, actually, there is, like, way late, or not way late, but in the second half of the second castle, for the first time I got, uh, the gas cloud power, which makes your mist damaging, and that's actually pretty cool. Getting back to Metal Black, uh, before we start going with the uh, specific topics, our overall topic for the night, which I definitely should have mentioned at the beginning, is going to be what are the defining or unique gameplay mechanics of Metal Black. So when I say mechanics, I'm not being too specific here. Uh, I just want to differentiate that from uh, Metal Black is unique because of its art style and great soundtrack. Uh, I really just... Uh, mean what gameplay elements, uh, is another word I could use, are integral to Metal Black's identity. And I think that that's a good topic to discuss because we've all already mentioned that we really like this game a lot, and Mm -hmm. shoot-em-ups are something that are often addressed as being samey or monotonous or uh, a genre that never really progressed past a certain point. And naturally, I don't agree with that. I don't think anyone here does. I think it has to do, or I think the uh, identity of shoot-em-ups are probably at a lower level than most people care to distinguish. Yeah. So hopefully we can hash out here a little bit of what makes Metal Black Metal Black and why this is a game worth playing. 
So, first thoughts, if you could uh, summarize your experience or give a initial impression of what struck you about Metal Black the most. One of the key things that made it interesting to me was how humble its power-up system is, where many shooters of the day prided themselves on having varied power-up systems. Even something as basic as, as Raiden has multiple shots and multiple missiles, and uh, it, when you want to go to the crazier end of the spectrum, you have Gradius and all of its options. Uh, Taito, the developer behind Metal Black, had Darius, which, like, half of that game's identity is having, you know, by the end of the game, you earn weapons that cover every pixel on the screen. So, uh, compared to that, Metal Black has, like, a really humble weapon system, and uh, you just get the, the double shot. And once you power it up, it gets a little thicker. And um, you appreciate every pixel of that thickness. And uh, it gets a lot of mileage out of a really simple and small change. So that is what grabbed me for the most part. Yeah, I would also back him up on having the double shot as your default weapon, which increases in size as you increase your beam energy. Like, I, I'm still a virgin when it comes to shmups, but, um... But not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. But, um, from the, let's say, conventions that I am aware of, like, I know that a lot of shmups have power-ups that usually, like, flow around, and you get something like a spread shot, like in Contra, or a uh, shock-canceling big fireball type of shot or something, I don't know, or laser or whatever. But on this one, it's pretty much just a double shot the whole way through, and you have the option of using your beam energy to either maintain that large shot size or shoot out either a big mega beam or a screen-clearing lightning attack. Yeah, that's another that's another thing that makes Metal Black feel really tight, is that your bombs influence your shot, and your shot influences your bomb. Um, usually those are just two entirely different systems. Yeah, that's true. Um, Metal Black, I actually do like how it's kind of um, a pretty, like, I don't know how to put this, but um, I don't think it's to its disadvantage that it has a ton of different power-ups. I actually kind of like that um, it's just used the one gun that you have really well, so I actually kind of like that. It's that straightforward. Yeah, it's quite pure. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. Simple. So, I, I don't know, me being a new to the genre, to, to me, right now, I'm not at a level where I kind of care for having a ton of power-ups, because I think even if there were power-ups, I'd kind of just, like, stick with the one and then just keep that the whole way. Like, Lord knows, if, when I play Contra, I just want the spread shot the whole time. I, <laughs> I, I've not experimented with um, uh, playing that terrible fire thing. But, um, yeah, so... I like the bosses in Metal Black too. I don't know how shmups do bosses, so that one I really have no idea how to comment on. But um, I actually did enjoy the the bosses that were there, provided some of them did kind of trap you in unfortunate ways. But um, for the most part, I thought the the bosses were pretty neat. Well, we talked a, a bit about the design of the levels in the last cast, and I'm not gonna say let's not bring it up. But uh, I, uh, I guess the other thing, when I say gameplay mechanics, I want to talk more about, yeah, what the actual systems in the game are versus Metal Black has, like, one really great boss that makes it transcendent above uh, 
coming out shitty riding. Uh, yeah, so I think you both sort of got at the same concept that uh, Metal Black is... I got one. The new yeah. alone, of course, the new alone. I don't think I've ever seen a shmup. I think... I don't know many shmups, obviously, but I think that's pretty unique that a shmup has a sort of, like, coin-like power-up in its level design. I, I don't know of any where you collect little fragments of collectibles in order to power yourself up quite like the new alone. Well, yeah, there you are. You guessed the uh, se- second topic of the cast. Uh, so <laughs> that's a, a nice intro because now I can uh, run from both of those into what we're, uh, or what I had intended to talk about. Uh, those are the two elements I identified as well. I've played a, a decent amount of shmups. I enjoy the genre. And I think that, yeah, it really does come down to Metal Black is very straightforward, and I think it is probably a good intro point for a new player. We talked about the shot a little bit, so let's focus in on that a little bit more. What specifically, just descriptively speaking, uh, what are the control mechanisms of the shot? How does it work? Well, you can hold the button and you get a rapid-fire shot for a little bit, and then it decreases in speed eventually and to maintain a rapid fire you press occasionally i think maybe once per second or something like that i don't know exactly how yeah, often I, I did notice that too where you don't have to quite mash the button this might be a stereotype but i think the further back you go with shmups the more you actually had to hit the button every single time in order to rapid fire instead of just holding it and it does it automatically yeah well, so two notes. Mashing a button is a lot easier on an arcade cabinet, and also the world record of Metal Black uses auto-fire. <laughs> yeah, realistically, this is still at the point where every game is making you mash the button to fire. It's not until, what, the mid-90s when Bullet Hell took over that they uh, yeah, calmed down on that. So... Yeah, uh, what you described, the the system where it rapid fires for a little bit, I guess I think of it as a pulse shot. Is there any significance to that? I mean, I, this is the only game I've ever played that does that. Uh, do you guys care about that at all? Weirdly enough, uh, Space Harrier on the PS2 does that. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was neat because... Um... I don't know, there is a certain tactile satisfaction to pressing the shot button, but there is also another satisfaction to having a thumb. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was neat. In some way, like, having well-timed button presses to keep the ra- rapid fire makes it so that you don't quite have to mash as hard, or not mash as hard, or mash as fast for long periods of time. But um, I like it, but it isn't that big of a deal because you are still going to be pressing the shot button pretty frequently. If you, At least if you want to hold it up for a long time. I mean, there's always the option of just not pressing the button when you don't need to. So you would say there probably aren't any specific situations in Metal Black where uh, being conscious of that control mechanic is influential in the gameplay at all? Like, it's there's nowhere it helps you or hurts you. Oh, being conscious of the fact that um, if you would just hold a button, that it does slow down over time. I think that one is important. I do think that one is actually important. 
Well, that's, yeah, that's general knowledge, just knowing how to play the game that pressing up makes you go up. But, I mean, there's no um, situation... Oh, oh no, that, oh, I, that, I just thought it was different, because um, isn't most games you just hold the button and it auto-fires? I don't know any other ones where it auto-fires and then it just slows down. I, I'm sorry. What I meant was... You're right. It, it is something that you need to know differently about Metal Black. My question was, beyond that, are there times in Metal Black that challenge that assumption or that make you reevaluate the way you're using that shot? Like, is there a time where you need to do it differently? Mm, not really. I don't think, I don't see any moments in the game where it's like shooting slower somehow becomes more advantageous. Uh, I think this is also something else with older shmups is that they have like a shot limit. Like you can only have like three bullets on the screen or something. I'm pretty sure like NES shmups might have been limited by things like that, like probably Life Force or something. Yeah, that's pretty common, especially in console games. Yeah, but um, this game doesn't have that issue. So, so shooting fast and almost shooting nonstop is pretty good. So it's a static. Aesthetic gameplay element. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's always a bad thing to shoot slowly. You never have a reason to shoot occasionally. Yeah, I, I think it's a little weird, but I don't think uh, there's much to make of it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just there. I think it's uh, interesting that it in some way tries to challenge the control assumption of a shmup, which is a really... Simple, straightforward, like I said, up, down, left, right type of game, but I don't think it actually manages to do anything with that. So, moving beyond the control itself, we mentioned that the shot is uh, just very straightforward. So, are there any interesting interactions that the shot has? Elements that it interacts with differently or reliable ways that uh, it will always influence the game. I did write a thread about different things you can play with in Metal Black, like the disco ball shots. You can repel backwards with your own shots. So there are certain enemies that shoot these spheres at you, and when you shoot them with your own shot, you kind of you you apply a reverse momentum to that shot and you can in essence like push it off the screen. Most of the time, all your shot does is damage, and uh, anytime it does damage, whether it kills the enemy or not, that cancels out your shot as well. Right. And we uh, we mentioned in the last podcast, too, that um, the fact that it's a double shot, so it covers a little bit of the top and bottom of your ship, uh, depends on what your beam energy is. Uh, you can use that to sort of uh, graze or scrape uh, enemies. Yeah, the hitbox on your shot in and of itself is unique. Let's come back to that in a second. Let's talk about the interplay first. Just a couple other notes. There are enemies that reflect your shots, and there are other shots that your shots will collide with. And then if you... um, There's a couple different ways to interact with bosses shooting beams at you. You can push them back with your regular shot or get into a beam duel with your beam. That's about it. So those are recurrent gameplay elements that show up in every level, I think it's safe to say, pretty frequently, as a matter of fact. Maybe frequently is a bit of an exaggeration, but you're never too far away from an enemy that's going to 
have shots that duel with yours or reflect shots. So how does the, the just straightforward double shot inform that interplay? Like, what about it is dependent on the type of shot that Metal Black has? None of it is. <laughs> right. So you're saying that if you had a spread shot, you think that the reflective enemies would play the exact same? Maybe not, because my assumption carries that the spread shot would have to be tuned differently, just for the sake of balance. Kind of like how in Contra, some uh, some bullets can actually eat other bullets. So uh, if there was a spread shot, I'm not sure it might have the same properties as the default double shot kind of does. If you only had a single shot, the enemy would still reflect your shot. There's nothing about the interplay that you couldn't do with a spread shot. Right. It's more of a property that lies with the enemy or the, the shot itself. My point is more that would there be any point in having reflective enemies in a game with a spread shot? Would that influence your gameplay in the same way that it does in a game with a straightforward shot or a Straightforward is such a terrible word to describe it, and yet straightforward is what it is, literally. <laughs> yeah, it, it comes <laughs> straight and forward. Yeah. It would. It, it just means it has more areas that it can go to to reflect your shots at you. So just shooting diagonally upward and the turtles happens to be in that direction, it just reflects it back in the same way. So My impression is that they're... I mean, I don't want to enter too far into the realm of speculation here, but my impression is that that kind of enemy works so well because of the fact that Metal Black has a shot that you need to aim. So when you're aiming at enemies, the fact that one of them is reflective in groups with other ones is actually significant because you do have a choice to um, shoot around that enemy. Whereas in a game with a spread shot, your choice is simply shoot or don't shoot. There's not an aspect of aim involved, and that was kind of what I was trying to get at, but I think Metal Black has mechanics that suggest aim. I guess the question is, is aim relevant? Yeah, there are a lot of times where you have to prioritize which enemy you'll hit first. The opening of Stage 5 is a particularly memorable example where you get slaloms of enemies appearing at the very top and the very bottom of the screen and they move so fast and they shoot so fast that there's no way you can kill a majority of them before they get their shots off so you just have to pick which ones you you want to deal with first and then plot your flight path so that you can avoid the rest right whereas if you had a spread shot you could probably plant yourself in the middle of the screen and take out everything as it comes in. You couldn't quite, because the enemies are aiming at you. You would just put yourself over their spawn point. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, you know what, I, I think, he, yeah, I, I actually do get what um, yourself's coming across. I think had there been other power-ups that covered, like, let's just say they cover space differently, that grazing, or that scraping technique that we all use probably wouldn't have been as prominent. Like, I wouldn't use it as much if I could just get a spread shot and, you know, shoot, already shoot above and below me. Now that you bring up scraping, that's a good direction to go. Are there times when you don't necessarily try to get in front of an enemy, but instead rely on scraping 
how do you know when you're going to be able to use that ability? Yeah, anytime, uh, I know level four has those turrets that are uncomfortably close to the ground. So I, I definitely try to scrape those uh, if I can. Same thing with those uh, sushi enemies that shoot the diagonal torpedoes in stage two, because I could get one, or I could go in between them and kill both of them at the same time, and that just clears out a whole row, which makes dodging likely the two that are above it, because they always come in like pairs of fours, uh, much easier to avoid. So that's an example of when I would prefer uh, scraping instead of just getting right in front of it and shooting it. There's also the... In stage three, there are the pink guys that come behind you. They're mollusks yes. or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they, they, <laughs> they come from behind, so there's there's no option. Yeah, it's a nautilus. A nautilus, thank you. And so you want to scrape them because once they get to the right of your ship, they start firing at you. Mm-hmm. So in that case, scraping becomes kind of a method to shoot behind your ship. You know, it, it kind of in a philosophical sense. <laughs> the philosophy of shooting things from behind you. You know, more specifically what's happening there is that you're actually zoning the screen into uh, stuff in front of you and stuff behind you, and that is an example of an enemy that capitalizes on that and that requires you to do that uh, sort of subconscious calculation of where those zones are. And... Eliminating the enemy before it gets into the front zone is actually the way to prevent it from firing. So uh, scraping plays on zoning in a unique way because of that. Yeah. It's a lot more subtle than a backshot, but I think that's interesting to compare it. In particular because backshot itself is something that's not so common in shoot-em-ups. Well, hmm, I might not be right about that. <laughs> it's usually not a primary function of your shot. Yeah, I think I'm thinking like in my head with a lot of these examples when I'm saying spread shot and back shot, I'm picturing your Don Pachi and later Bullet Hell style games, which are what I'm accustomed to. And those all are based around pretty much just a forward spread. A full screen forward spread. Yeah, from the Metal Black era... Because there's such a diversity of power-ups in every game, it's not rare. You know, the first Gradius has a... Well, no, not the first. Um, Life Force has a backward shot, right? Yeah, it does. And uh, Star, which Star Soldier introduces that? So uh, the very first one does. Okay. Well, does Star Force have it, though? I don't think so. I don't remember, no. Or, I've never played it, I'm sorry. So, it's uh, a weird little riff on Backshot. Would you say it compares at all to a uh, melee-type ability? And I know, Adrian, you're, you're not going to have a point of reference for this, but some schmups have, like, a sword or something. Uh, that, that sounds awesome. Character sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes people think it's a little more awesome than it actually is. Uh, but the best example is Lords of Thunder. And... The reason I compare it to that is just because that encourages you to get close to enemies, which is the same thing that uh, scraping does. Mm-hmm. Do you find, I mean, what do you find are the ramifications of 
needing to get close enemies or benefiting from getting close enemies in that way? I'm kind of not sure how to answer this question. All I know is that um the scraping I find really helpful, and in some ways, by playing it just that little bit more risky, you can actually get better rewards out of it. Yeah, so that, that was my question. Do you feel it's, like, risky? Oh, yeah, of course, because the risk is if it even moves a little bit behind where that shot comes from, it's going to hit the back top or the back bottom of your ship, and then you're just done. What enemies, are there enemies uh, or situations that you feel are riskier uh, for using scraping? I know I can name a couple. Yeah, uh, I've had a, had it happen a couple of times where, I think you actually mentioned this too, where in stage, stage round, I don't care what it's called, level two, those purple sea urchin things, normally when they go off the left of the screen, they're gone, but occasionally one of them actually comes back in and then hits you in the back. Right. So that's actually an area where it can be risky. But otherwise, you do get a lot of control using that scraping technique to deal with the sea urchins, especially if you hang around near the back. Just pay extra attention to the ones that leave the left of the screen because sometimes they might come back in. Yeah, and I think in particular, it's not even the fact that they go in and out, but... Well, that's part of it. But the fact that they move in a sine wave pattern makes it a little bit hard, a little bit harder to predict exactly where they're going to come out or when they might just make it by uh, your attack pattern. Mm-hmm. It's just slightly more difficult to read the yeah. movement. Curves are more complicated than straight lines. Naturally. Naturally, yeah. Golem enemies or stuff that's risky for scraping. Anyone that shoots a homing shot is pretty risky for scraping. You need to be able to memorize the timing. Oh, yeah. The turrets in Stage 3 specifically I had to learn because uh, the end of Stage 3 can get kind of cramped, so any space you can occupy is good space. And uh, there's a turret right at the end of Stage 3 in a spot that I want to occupy. So I have memorized that the gaps in time between his shots are large enough that I can wait for him to shoot, swoop in, and kill him before he has a chance to shoot at me again. So that's a time where I want to be really close to an enemy and be able to take them out quickly, but it requires a nuanced understanding of that enemy, and it's kind of dangerous until you have memorized how they function. Yeah, so it's not just the exact movement pattern of the enemies that comes into play there. It's the firing patterns as well. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, homing rockets that the level 1 boss, the level 2 boss, and even that crab in level 1, they can arc in a way that they curve right onto the back top, uh, the blind side of your ship, where it won't be destroyed by your uh, double shot and and it will kill you. So homing projectiles that curve like that um, are also pretty risky to use that. Yeah, I find usually... I always have to back up when something is approaching me because that will ensure that the the wide range of my shot gets it. Right. Yeah. I think in um, level 5, those blue enemies that shoot lightning straight up and down, those are also risky to use it because if you aren't close enough and they get off their lightning, uh, you're pretty much screwed. So that's the, ri- that's the risk is that there's specifically an enemy that's meant to hit you from above and below which is where you're trying to put them in in order to get rid of them with the scraping. I have a tough time reading the timing. 
I scrape them if they're moving. Yeah. But once they pause, you better get out of there. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Are there any other nuances of the shot that you feel um, strongly inform the gameplay? I know one of the other little details of the way it works is that the two, the twin shots that fire are actually independent, so uh, technically one can hit something and the other can uh, go around it. I don't know that that is something uh, particularly significant in my gameplay. I don't know if you guys feel otherwise or if there are other uh, facets of the, the shot that are difficult to handle. Yeah, that doesn't quite happen. I know for like level I think four. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's level yeah, level five. You, you know where it curves like that? The fact that you can actually still get your shots around those little green bumps. Right. Uh, even though one of them might be blocked off, the other one can still get through, and that's uh, one of the advantages of having a double shot. Those little sticky enemies, I think that's a, another, uh, probably the only one where the fact that it's two shots really comes into play for dealing with multiple enemies, because most enemies just aren't that tightly packed that the two shots make a significant effect. I, I was think I was confusing myself because earlier I was thinking like, wait a minute, isn't that why I do the Shoesies? And it's like, no, it's actually taking advantage of the scraping. Uh, but that's that that with the little beady things is an example that isn't actually doesn't actually have to do with the scraping, but the fact that you're firing two different bullets, which takes out two different targets. Yeah, I think that you can definitely see it having an effect there. Um, and I think what you were saying before about it sometimes going around bumps, for uh, lack of a better word, in the uh, environment, it just uh, feels a little bit smoother, but I don't think that that's something you really take advantage of, per se. It's no. just nicely executed. I know there's... I, yeah, because I only have, like, one example, and that's in all the way in level one. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure I know what you mean. If you mean getting close to the ground and using one shot to hit one of those robots or whatever... Yeah, one of the Red Walker bots, not so low that it collides with the building, right? Because, uh, but high enough that it'll go over, but still, actually hit the red dude, because um the the shot itself, like, you know what? I'm not sure how to describe it, but it's like the the hitbox is different than the contact that it uses for colliding with the environment. That's why even if you just slightly move above the ground where the, it doesn't collide with the floor anymore, it's still big enough that it hits an enemy that's underneath that building that you know, you're know you trying to shoot at. I think it's probably just that the enemy's hitbox is taller than the building's. Oh yeah, that could be true too. much about power-ups there. We kind of just talked about how the shot itself functions in a general state. We did mention at the beginning that as a player collects power-ups, it gets wider. So let's go further into discussing the power-ups themselves, which are uh, very elegantly titled New Alone. The New Alone, uh, was something Adrian pointed out at the beginning, are 
a unusual system in that they are uh, sort of like a fragmented power-up system. Collecting one doesn't necessarily do anything, but collecting a bunch uh, will eventually power you up. So, one of you guys maybe could just describe how Newland spawn and behave. Deterministic chaos. <laughs> um, yeah, Is that I, the title of your new novel? By Michael Crichton. <laughs> yeah, I did find that they sp- they do spawn at fixed points in the stage. Uh, where they spawn relative to the borders of the screen, though, um, that isn't quite as consistent. The new alone themselves also have a tendency to bounce around things and sort of just curve up and down and around. Uh, it's almost, I don't know, like they're orbiting around invisible planets sometimes when I look at them for a long time. But yeah, their their movement is pretty erratic and random. So that makes them part of the uh, sometimes the risk in actually going after them. Yeah, there are a lot of times like um at the beginning of stage 3, you might need new alone if you used a beam on the boss, but if you go after new alone, you'll have less positioning advantage when you take on the the squads of green guys with those really tricky yeah. aim shots. Because it it forces you into the screen and closer to them where you have less advantage. Right. Another interesting thing about the new alone is that um, you can actually uh, fight over them with the boss because the boss, the bosses and the, uh, the beam duels is another thing that I, I would say is unique to Metal Black and gives it its identity because I don't know other shmups that do that. But of course, I'm completely ignorant on shmups, so that's why I didn't mention it earlier. Um, the fact that the boss can actually fight with you over the same power-up so it can use its own special move against you, that's also something pretty unique. So even if you're at full beam energy, it's like, oh, I don't need any lunar loans. I'm going to do any for me as well. No, you are going to want to get it because if the boss gets any more, uh, especially the stage three boss, you really don't want the stage three boss to get the new alone. Otherwise, it can make some pretty devious traps with its dung beetle. Shoot, it's it's it's. I just realized it shits. It shit shoots lasers. Okay. So after I just had my mind blown by that fact, uh, yeah, that that's another interesting thing that I, I like with this game. What you got up there is that the new one sort of serves a multitudinous function. It's not solely used as a power up for. Or the fact that it's not solely a power-up for you, it's also a power-up for bosses, really means that it goes beyond being just a power-up. It takes on characteristics of an enemy element as well. Um, Well, I would say it's like a dynamic element, like the Koopa shells in Mario. Okay. It's its own thing you can have a tug-of-war over. So it's a a Switzerland, so to speak. (laughs) So... There are times, then, that you may be deciding to get new land because you need to power up or because you need to prevent the boss from getting it. Are there times when you have been able to significantly alter either boss patterns or, in any case, level patterns by your approach to new land? Like, have you actually been able to uh, stop a boss from using their laser? Or are there places where powering up uh, will significantly affect what you're facing in the level. Absolutely. There are a couple, 
I mean, each boss will have its own interesting aspects regarding New Alone, but I think maybe the the coolest part or the coolest boss regarding New Alone is the round two boss, which will he has a certain phase where he chases yeah. after New Alone, so you can determine his flight path based on what New Alone you've collected and what you've left out in the yeah. open for him. Yeah, that boss in particular also spawns an enemy, unlike that weird snake thing for the level 1 and 3 and even the final boss, it actually can hit you. So I think it's the only boss in the game that actually does that, where its main source of eating you alone is also something that can hurt you. Yeah, 135 have the like background gripper claw that eats stuff, and the round 6 boss won't eat any new alone. It just has its background pigtail that it shoots the laser from. Yeah. I don't know what that's supposed to be. It's tail or it's cock? Um. That's something that uh, only HP Lovecraft could get to the bottom of. <laughs> <laughs> that level 2 boss is one where yeah, collecting no one is kind of a big deal in that boss. Is there any counterpoint to collecting the new land is there reason to leave some of it there or just in general not in that boss fight uh what kind of stuff motivates you to leave new land definitely if there's especially like in the later levels when you get to four or five sometimes you just really need to leave the new alone alone <laughs> because <laughs> I'm sorry, I actually just realized the pun I just made. I didn't mean to do that on purpose. But yeah, sometimes you just need to leave it alone because it, it really, more than anything, just bait you into getting yourself killed, especially with those red things that spawn, that, that sort of just teleport in the middle of the stage. They don't come off from the screen. So yeah. uh, going after New Alone in those sections is particularly dangerous. So you, you kind of just have to back off. There are also times when I want to preserve a level 3 shot, since it's the most powerful shot. So I, like that too. I will go out of my way to avoid New Alone, and then I find myself in the inverse situation, where I have to decide if I want to take a more dangerous position, or eat it and level up my shot by collecting New Alone. So that is something I experience as well, despite not knowing the uh, level 3 rule. Just because there were times when I wanted to save up New Alone for the boss fight or for a particularly difficult spot because, as I'm not sure we mentioned yet, when you uh, use your bomb, that causes you to return to power level 1 and the New Alone will power that up as well. So, because the New Alone never leaves the screen once it spawns unless someone collects it, there are times, like, level 2 is yeah, pretty standard one where I just don't touch the new alone so that as soon as I finish using a bomb I'll be able to collect all that saved up new alone and use the second bomb right away. Yeah, I tried to play that way, but I that's just too much for me to pay attention to. Well I don't think it's really any different from saving it so that you can maintain power level three, but it is Oh well, I I meant in stage two in particular. Oh okay is the kind of thing that I ended up dropping until I got to the point where I could play a stage flawlessly because the new land is significantly more erratic than the enemy patterns. And so you're really adding in a random element when you start dodging new land on top of 
dodging enemies. Yeah, I'm sure New Alone has some behavior to it, but in all of my time with it, I had never figured a good way to predict where it's going to be. Yeah, it's interesting that I once compared the New Alone to like water molecules because they can sometimes actually like cluster together and you don't see them break apart. I couldn't tell if it was like there was some kind of adhesion behavior going on there. Or sorry, that's cohesion, not adhesion. I couldn't tell if there was some kind of cohesion behavior going on there or if the movement pattern eventually narrows down to the same thing such that they're all just following each other, basically, in a really small area. Like, if the deviations of movement are decreasing over time, such that it will eventually stay towards the middle of the screen, then if they all decrease at the same rate, then their movement might eventually look exactly the same. Maybe. Uh, I'd have to do a lot of testing to see. It's definitely not worth testing. Uh, oh yeah, it's... we'll open up the code. <laughs> it's yeah, not worth breaking up the code either. So new lens a, a dynamically allied element, and it is sort of a random element as well. Are there any other elements in Metal Black that provide the same role? The mines in stage two, because when they reappear in stages four, and I. St- yeah, stages four and six, you can read them because they'll come from certain gaps in the landscape. But in stage two, you're just out in space, and it feels like mines spawn wherever they feel like. The pink star things. Right. Yeah, the I, I call them sea urchins. Space urchins. <laughs> I think that a knock-on effect of the new lens arbitrary behavior is that the boss of stage two seems to move arbitrarily, but you can identify that based on the new one. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned shells in Super Mario. Are there other elements outside of uh, Metal Black that come to mind in comparing uh, new land behaviorally and functionally? Uh, if you want to get to... Can I get, like, super abstract? Yeah, definitely. So Burning Rangers, uh... No, no, don't, no, I take it back. (laughs) Uh, Super Mario is really the only one that comes to mind immediately, because dynamic elements are kind of rare in games. Uh, What specifically do you mean by dynamic? Elements that interact with, like, a whole lot of other stuff. Okay. Okay. I guess, actually, I mean, you might find them in open world games a lot. Uh, you mean like a dog that'll attack? Oh, uh, you mean like, now here's a great example of, uh, like Cyber Demon fighting Spider Mastermind. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's always my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> what are you talking, what are you talking about? What is that? That's Doom that in fighting. In Doom, enemies will fight, enemies of different types will fight each other. Oh. You have to like, you have to like trick them to shoot each other, right? I think that sometimes it's set up intentionally just to show you that it can happen, but mm. yeah, it's uh, not something that spontaneously develops, or something that's ever at all beneficial to gameplay. <laughs> right. And, uh, backtracking a little bit to the earlier, um, I guess I, I, I one thing I can kind of get where you're coming from, Greg, is that I don't find many um, analogs to a Koopa shell. Like, 
uh, even as far as platformers go, the Koopa Shell is pretty damn unique. Like, how many Koopa-like enemies are there in Donkey Kong? Well, actually, I don't know any in Donkey Kong Country. I don't think there are any. No. Like, the concept of an enemy that retracts into a shell, and you can kick it around and pick it up. and Even, like, the, the barrel-tossing enemy, he spawns his own barrels, and you can't pick them up. Yeah, they're a different type. Yeah. I mean, man. Wow, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of analogs to a, a Koopa shell of Mario. It's something you would probably expect more in multiplayer-type games. Yeah, there you go. I'm sure Power Stone has that kind of thing. Yeah, when there's, like, symmetry of gameplay, I guess. I mean, I could randomly pick some element of Super Smash Brothers, but I don't feel like it. Well, there is a Koop- there is a lit- there is an actual Koopa shell in Super Smash Brothers. So, would you say that New Alone is the center of symmetry, se- the center for symmetry of gameplay between you know you and a metal black boss, that you're both going after the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very uh, yeah. uh, effective description of it, and I think that the that is much more interesting than beam dueling. Because New Alone has, again, as I said, more knock-on effects than beam dueling, which is sort of a one-and-done event. Yeah, and not only that, but um, I'm not sure if you guys may agree with me at this, but um, sometimes I found it just more advantage to just use the beam after they use theirs, because then you just get the full damage instead of it, you know, kind of stuck colliding with their beam, sometimes doing nothing, unless you can manage to get that black ball thing to actually hit them, and then it just, like, does an insane amount. So, I explained to you that you could aim that, right? The black ball? You told me you could you could mash to push it. Okay, so it will go directly out from where you are from the right. center. So, like, it pushes... It's sort of like your ship is pushing it away from you. So, if you do a beam duel with the boss while you're straight across from the boss, but then you move down a bunch uh, while you're beam dueling, then it will push the ball upwards when it fires because you've moved down. Okay. So you need to stay straight across from the boss. Right. That part I, I figured. The part that I didn't know was um, that you, you taught me was um, actually pushing the button faster. Right. does push it more than if you were to just hold it. Yeah. I ended up using the beam duels just because I was playing the broken version of the game where you can't hold the beam button. In general, I find that beam duels are more... Uh, they're useful for defense, but in terms of offense, uh, there's more effective stuff you can do. Yeah, I think the probably the last boss where using the beam, even if it's at low power, to sort of... Just to wear out its beam... Because of the way it moves its beam across like the whole screen and even moves it left and right in a wave pattern. Yeah, in the in the one CC video, there's a moment where I have to waste a level three beam to block the round six boss beam. Right, I think that boss. Yeah, so that 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 boss in particular, um, using the beam as a way of def- not engaging in the beam duel, but just so it doesn't kill you, just just to block it to shield yourself. You see it with that boss. That's an effective strategy. Okay. Any further comments on Mulan? It's cool. I like it. 
I would not mind seeing another shmup do it again. It feels a little weird that there's only one non-boss enemy that interacts with New Alone, but that one non-boss enemy is also a huge hassle, so maybe I should be careful what I'm asking for. Yeah, I think that there's enough going on already in the levels, and there's, uh, like, the randomness of New Alone, and, uh, like I said, the fact that you're not always collecting it, uh, sometimes you're going to leave it, ends up adding so much dynamism to the gameplay itself, but I think having the enemies, having a lot of enemies that interact with it might be going overboard, mm. and would potentially, I mean, I could see an interesting game built around that, but I don't think it's in Metal Black's wheelhouse. It, it, right. would, be, it would be too much like Boogie Wings. <laughs> well, no, I'm not even <laughs> saying that. I mean, that's what would happen if you added this, if you added it to Metal Black. I think you can make it interesting if you slowed the pace of the game down some uh. and had more mini-boss-type enemies or more focal enemies. You could make an interesting new land game. A different interesting new land game. Right, like that yellow thing in Stage 3 or the, the fish in Stage 2 that they both take quite a while to die and for a short time they're actually like the only thing that you might be fighting on the screen because... um. They're much tougher than other enemies that typically will die in one, one or two shots. I guess those kind. I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas. Yeah, I mean, those are mini-bosses, so it makes sense. Sort of. They're enemies that are not necessarily attached to one point in the level. So I think that's the kind of stuff... I think Newland is the kind of thing that... It's a static element in that it's not affected by the progression of the level or other elements going on in and of itself, uh, the way you interact with it is. And so that's why I kind of think it would be going too far to have other stuff interacting with it. Yeah. Like, it is your counterpoint. It doesn't need counterpoints. Okay. Yeah, I think that about does it uh, for what I wanted to talk about. There is uh, one more slightly strange <laughs> aspect of Metal Black, uh, and that would be the bonus stages. Uh, oh, right. Um, <laughs> how did you guys feel uh, about the bonus stages? Um, and I don't want a serious analysis of this because I don't care. Okay. Well, I got used to the bonus stages fairly quickly, so to me, uh, they're, they're kind of necessary for me to get a, an extra life uh, by the middle of, or even the beginning of stage two, because I can pretty much perfect it every time. I'm sure there's some way to figure out how to do it, but I don't care. I mean, uh, I probably wait. should care because, yeah. um, I, you know, more extents are always good. But uh, <laughs> I get by well enough on just casually moving the cursor around. Yeah, they they look cool, except for when they take like thirty seconds for a missile oh, to land. God. Yeah. All right. Des- describe yep. the missiles in one word. Give one adjective for the missiles. Meandering. Adrian. That was a pretty good word. I'm having a hard time trying to top it. Loopy. 
Ah. Uh, what? Painful. I just want to say they have bad aim. <laughs> like, Inaccurate. Like, ho- like holy hell. Yeah, there we go. Inaccurate. Yeah, but, yeah, but they always land. How could you possibly call them inaccurate? They well, take so inac- many passes. Yeah. Um, so so, hang on, what, what should I call that? Ponderous. Circuitous. <laughs> they take a long time to get... They can take a long time to get where they need to go. They're fickle. There we go. They're fickle. They're fickle little... All right, that, that's good enough. Wrapping up here, uh, in one sentence, tell me why I should play Metal Black. You know, we talked about how the power-ups were cool and how New Alone is cool, but aside from that, um, what really got me to stick with it for the 27-plus hours it took me to get a 1cc is how uh, thorough the aesthetic elements are, and that um, as I was getting deeper and deeper into the gameplay complexities um and you know (laughs) admittedly the trial and error memorization um i would always have a reason to play stage one because uh considering the music and the graphics was always uh stimulating in and of itself it sure is a pretty game. Oh, did anyone know yeah you you all probably noticed but that there's a story kind of going on with the levels and that's yeah. that's part of what makes. I mean, that's a classic element. That's yeah. how it holds up over those twenty-seven hours. Story and gameplay. Yeah. Well, it's it's... Like Sonic is better than Sonic One. Sonic Two. <laughs> Sonic One is better than Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Adrian, what's your one sentence? Make it a oh. shorter one than Golem's, though, because this is like three paragraphs. <laughs> yeah, as a newbie, um, it's not a hard game to get into. It was really fun. Um, the concept, the new alone itself really interesting and there's yeah it's just a good game okay that wasn't one sentence but um that that was as short as i could make it well it was maybe meandering yeah without without covering everything we talked about the past 40 minutes or so yeah i think my one sentence it's definitely been more than 40 minutes uh, my one sentence is probably just go back and listen to this podcast, and if you're not convinced, then uh, yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, lots of lots of interesting enemies, lots of interesting level design. Um, the, and yeah, and that pretty much carries the whole game because it's not relying on um, look at how many weapons we have to make it fun. I do think it is. It would be off-putting to the general player. Uh, the kind of Maybe. tricks that it pulls on you sometimes. Maybe. The, there are some parts where it gets holy fuck hard. And maybe in ways that, uh, maybe in, sometimes in not so good ways, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, the thing is, I've played it to the point where it's, it almost doesn't even bother me anymore. But, uh. Um, yeah, if you're comfortable with memorizing, then Metal Black is great. I yeah. guess I wonder whether the, so-called common player you invoke is someone who's going to distinguish between what the slight memorization challenge in Metal Black is versus uh, just your general manic shooter. Oh, yeah. that's, I've heard, um, you know, a significant portion of the System 11 and Shmup community take a disliking to Metal Black. It has its fans. I'm not saying everybody hates it, but... Yeah, but that's not like that's not a person that you need to convince to play Metal Black. That's someone who's playing Metal Black 
because they've played literally every other shooter in the world, and they know exactly what they're looking for. I see what you mean. I'm not convinced that the little inadequacies of Metal Black are something that would stand out against, uh, you know, R-Type or something. So, I think I did all the the wrap-up stuff. Uh, Any final thoughts from anyone here? I'm really glad I learned this game, and I want to keep playing it. I'm glad this is one of the first shmups. Uh, okay, it's actually not the first shmup, but... Um, oh it's, my god. It's... What? So much better than Parodius. I cannot tell you how much passion I have in, for hating Gradius. Jesus. Wait, Adrian, have you played Parodius? No. Oh, okay, you were just going making comment about commune history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, he um, sucks. Jeez. As my sort, as I am beginning to deep into the genre that is the shmup, this was a great game to get that started with. All right, I think that's it. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a good night. on this podcast was from Metal Black. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com. so I can't back you up on anything or useless abilities or whatever. Uh, I just have one question. Um, the sub-weapons from the original Castlevanias, uh, do, did those stay in Symphony of the Night? I mean, Yeah, Symphony of the Night has them pretty much identically to the original Castlevanias. And okay. I mean, this, we're getting into edit-out territory, but Symphony of the Night <laughs> also has about eight other systems of like different attacks, like as fighting game style inputs and it has familiars that level up and as I said it has different um, different weapons you can equip and some of them even have unique inputs. It's worth noting that the cross sub weapon, not the boomerang, but the cross is like game breaking. Isn't wait, is there a regular cross though? Oh yeah. It's like the screen bomb. Right, that one. And it does like so much damage to bosses, it's crazy. Yeah. I end up just using the axe. But actually, it's funny you mention that, Adrian, because that gets really annoying sometimes if you accidentally pick up a sub-weapon and then, uh, you know, can't get the one you just wanted to have back uh, because it's somewhere halfway across the castle. Like, I always just want to have axe, and once in a while... Yeah. I mean, that's the game that introduces the solution to that problem. Yeah, except that it drops off the screen half the time. Oh. And it's not the one that introduces it. That's uh, either Dracula X or Rondo of Blood has that. Oh, I didn't re- I didn't remember that. Okay. Yeah, so 
this sub weapons actually stay in the entire series uh, for the most part. I guess the Soma games don't have them, but they're the focus of Portrait of Ruin. They, the Soma games have the enemy summons anyway. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they don't have the traditional sub weapons. All of the games have some system of alternate weaponry that is also independent from your progression of uh, quote-unquote adventure abilities. If you want to play one of those, Adrian, I recommend either Circle of the Moon or Portrait of Ruin. Those are the best two. Okay. Other people swear by Dawn of Sorrow. That's not my favorite. Circle of the Moon comes with Bowser's recommendation for what it's worth. Yeah. I know he's a big uh, influence. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, yeah, like I said, let's edit most of that out because that's totally. Or tack it onto the end. Yeah, it is getting close to Halloween, which is, in fact, why I was playing, or why I wanted to play a Castlevania game, because I always feel like it around Halloween. <laughs> You're crazy if you think this is coming out in time for Halloween. <laughs> we'll have Rums of the Haunting out in time for Halloween. Wow, really? We're that yeah. far behind? You spent yeah. way too much time playing Metal Black. <laughs> <laughs>